Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. What do eight bags of concrete mix, a cooler full of 30-pound sea bass, and a 10-inch compound miter saw have in common? They're all things that are easier to load in and out of the bed of the new F-150. Thanks to its new available pro-access tailgate, that's also a swing gate. The new 2024 Ford F-150, tough this smart, can only be called F-150. Available starting early 2024, pro-access tailgate available starting spring 2024, cargo and load capacity limited by weight and weight distribution. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. I do feel like I've hit a a level of dumber uh, or a deeper level of dumber than usual ever since I've been at the house during COVID-19. I didn't realize my iPad was off. Now my iPad won't work. The back and forth isn't as quick as it is when I'm in the studio at NBC Sports and it's led me to do more dumb things the way he leaded his team. Professional tiredoms, you know, militaristic upper echelons. I mean, I feel like I'm uh, Deep Thoughts by Jack Handy. Remember that on Saturday Night Live? Deep Thoughts by Chris Sims. Tune in to tomorrow. It's been a long four months for many a reason. We had our three-week hiatus, and here he is, back in studio. No more technical problems. No more cursing a blue streak, Jack, like you were doing during breaks, sometimes not during breaks, when you were having breakdowns in your equipment at home. So, It's good to see you back in studio. It's good to be back on the air with you. It was a long 24 days since the last time we signed off, and a lot has been happening in the National Football League over the last three weeks. Maybe we shouldn't have taken a hiatus because the NFL sure hasn't taken a hiatus. Good morning, Chris. How are you? I'm doing good, man. It is. It's good to be back in my home here, the studio, Studio 6 at uh, NBC Sports Studios. It just feels better. I mean, I, I hear you clearer. I know I can butt in and, and get involved in the conversation because we don't have that delay anymore. And I know. I mean, my vacation was awesome. It really was. It was great. I had a lot. Of, I got a lot of rest, a lot of downtime. And I know that wasn't the case for you. And I just... I don't feel bad about it one bit. So, you know, no days off for you. Plenty of days off for me. I like that routine. It's amazing. I actually worked harder other than the show. I I spent more time on the website. I was doing 12 to 15 stories a day. I was doing PFTPM in the afternoons to generate some video content to keep up with everything that was happening. No slow time this year. We used to get in trouble. We used to get fined for saying it was the slow time. There is no slow time all because the thrust of what's happening in the NFL now what will they be doing what can they be doing and will it work as it relates to getting the season ready in a pandemic that has shown no signs of subsiding especially in multiple cities where NFL teams are located Chris so let's get right to it because look here's here's the the big picture problem right now for the NFL and the NFL Players Association and part of me thought we wouldn't be in this spot the same kind of spot that baseball was in several right. months ago as they were trying to figure out are they going to have a season. The issue here isn't whether or not there will be at least an effort to have a season. There's not going to be a lockout. There's not going to be a strike. That won't happen. But there's a lot of acrimony as the league and the union try to work out two major issues. One, the safety procedures for COVID-19. And two, the financial ramifications for the money that is sure to be lost this year when fans aren't in the stands, plus the extra money that will be lost if games are canceled. Those are the two big things. And, you know, they got to figure out when to get them figured out. That's the thing. We, we thought last week, well, they'll have it done by the end of the week. Week comes and goes, they don't have it done. 
Now it spills over into this week. Rookies are due to report today for the Chiefs and the Texans. And we still don't know whether or not they're going to work these things out. And I think it's critical that they decide on something that allows them to feel comfortable and confident because they have a bigger foe. They have a common enemy to focus on, and that's the virus. They need to get on the same page, and they need to go arm-in-arm, Chris, to fight the virus and get teams ready to play. And if they're fighting among themselves, they have no chance to beat the virus. No, well, no, they don't. I mean, first off, there's so many things I want to say there. I mean, you're right. I mean, what was, what was it, mid-March? You know, I know you and I were so optimistic just going, oh, there's so much time. We got so much time. They'll figure it out. These 32 billionaires, all the smart people around the NFL, you know, but as we got into June and we were signing off air to go on our summer break, we were starting to go, I I don't like the look of things. I wish we were a little farther down the road in some of these conversations. And of course, here we are, you know, yeah, it's football time and we haven't really advanced much farther down the road. You know, and there's, 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 of course, the pay thing, right? Like you said, where, hey, it looks like the players have a little power in this, in this argument. So that's the first thing. Then you talk about what you're talking about, player safety. Hey, I, if, what we've said from the start, what I've said, certainly, the players want to play football. I don't think they're necessarily all that worried about COVID-19. What they want to make sure is that they're taken care of if they do get it and that the proper procedures are taken on a daily basis so they don't bring it home or or it infects the locker room vice versa to where maybe a player gets it from their wife or their their son and now they bring it to the locker room so those are the concerns the big thing and you know I I just don't know where it goes right now because of like how you started off the the segment I mean, right now we're in a spot where our country's not comfortable in a lot of places, and that's the scary thing. So I don't know where it goes from here, but certainly there's going to be have to, in, in my eyes, more concessions made from the owners here. Uh, the way I look at it, m- more than anything. And Chris, we've got two issues that are unrelated to the current squabbles between the league and the union that complicate matters. First of all. The virus is raging. It's not embers. It's not small fires. It is raging in multiple cities where the NFL does business. Miami, Houston, Dallas, Phoenix, L.A. For starters, and it may get worse instead of better in other cities as we get closer to September. That wasn't supposed to be the case. We've all seen how the the curve started up and then the curve went flat and then we all got complacent and the curve just keeps going up and up and up. And the other problem is the testing technology hasn't developed to the point where I think the league thought it would be. It still takes up to 24 hours if you're lucky, if you've got the resources, if you can bring a testing lab onto your property like the Vikings have done. Check out Peter King's Football Morning in America, not during the show, during the, during, during the breaks or, or after the show. You, you got all day to check out Football Morning in America, but trust me, when you do, you'll see the Vikings have their own testing capacity there. How do you justify that, Chris, in the areas where the virus is running rampant and the average citizen needs to have tests turned around faster than a week, and you've got the football team getting their tests turned around in 24 hours or less. So they need to, they need to enhance that capacity. We need to get the virus under control. And that's separate and apart from the issues between the league and the union. And I don't think we expected to be here. Once we finished the draft and the NFL was feeling good about everything, we thought that there'd be enough advances made and the virus would be sufficiently under control that by the time we got to August... No problem. Well, well big problem. Yeah, big Two problem. big problems. Right. Yeah, I mean, huge problem. We know that. Yeah, well, well, we thought our country would be a little bit smarter, for lack of a better phrase, than, than what we're showing right now. I mean, we had many examples uh, across the world, and they've showed us. I mean, we got the neighbors from our, just north of us in Canada, plenty of other countries that have shown if you do the proper things, you could be much farther along in the process. But, yes, it is scary right now, and I would be scared if I'm a, you know, a Dallas Cowboy player or some of the, the players that are in the cities where you said it's raging. Yeah, because, of course, like we just talked about, it could go either way. You could bring the, the virus home to your family and loved ones and so many guys in football too. You know, people need to realize this. 
you know, yes, their mothers might live with them. Their grandmothers might live with them. That's part of their lives. Yes, it's just the way they were raised, grown up, whatever it is. A lot of guys in the NFL come from broken families and things. So, you know, that is a real concern there. And, yeah, it's unfortunate. I don't know what we're doing as a country and why we don't believe that this is a real thing. Uh, and if we want to get the economy and everything going in the right direction, then we got to take the proper precautions. And, yeah, you might have to look like an idiot when you walk into Walmart with a mask on and do things like that. But it's not that bad. I looked like an idiot walking into NBC this morning. It's all right. It's good to be here at work talking to you. So uh, I understand it where the players are. But, yeah, it, I mean, financially, you know, safety-wise and – um, of course, where we are as a country, I think, are the three things I look at to just go. Uh, there, there's a lot of unanswered questions here, and I don't see how football starts here anytime soon. It's well documented that you have a gigantic head. Do you have to get like extra, extra large masks? Well, uh, no, it, I don't. I get the same masks everybody else does at the store, you jerk. One okay? size fits all. <laughs> yeah. They're very <laughs> elastic and stretchy, all right? <laughs> um, th- one of the big sticking points between the league and the union as it relates to the safety procedures is how frequently the players will be tested. The players have been pressing for weeks now to have daily testing, and I think it's critical to have daily testing. One of the things Richard Sherman points out to Peter King, there's so many issues with false positives and false negatives. The more you test, the more you iron out what's real and what's not real and who has it and who doesn't have it. And the whole objective here is to keep out of the facility off of the practice field out of a game situation someone who has the virus who is shedding the virus and the rest of us don't know and the more importantly the rest of the people on the field don't know so you need to erect barriers that will keep people out who may be positive and without rapid response testing, with so many people in the communities where the teams are located who are positive, so many opportunities to catch it away from work, I think they're going to do a great job of ensuring guys don't get it at work, at least away from the practice field and out of the game situations, but in the locker room, in the meeting rooms, etc. they're going to do a very good job of keeping guys from catching it. The problem is, how do you keep guys from catching it when they're not at work? And how do you make sure that somebody who catches it away from work is caught as being positive and kept away from everyone else before well, there's an outbreak? That's yeah. the big risk, and that's why the players want daily testing. Right. And I don't know why the NFL won't do daily testing other than it, it, it's not cheap well, of to course. do daily testing. Yeah, well, you know, it's, it's 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 not cheap. Yeah, I'm sure, but it's it's cheaper than not playing football at all and making no money. I know that. So, you know, it might be one of those investments that's worth taking, but you know, there there's so many things here, Mike. I mean, again, it goes back into the conversation of you know, daily testing. Is that really realistic at this point? I don't know. I got tested for COVID-19 about a week ago. I got it back within like six hours. All right. And I went through my hospital and the proper channels because I had told you I was feeling a little weird about 10 days ago. And I was uh, around somebody whose boyfriend was a doctor and I got a little scared. And so I got, got the test, but got the results. But we know that's not the, resu- the, the way it is the rest of the country right now. We're hearing, like you already have said, 24 hours, two days, three days. So if that doesn't like speed up, how, who the hell cares if you get tested every day? I mean, that's where I just I don't understand that. Plus, let alone, Mike, like you've been talking about, we know there's going to be issues if people in Miami start to hear the Dolphins are being tested daily and getting the results back every day. And then there's other people who are in line for an hour and not getting results back for three days. You, you know, a that's week, gonna, a Chris, week, a right. week for some of these labs going to cause it's going to cause an uproar. It's going to cause an uproar. And then between that and the financial issue right now, that's why I just look at it right now and go, whoa, NFL. Wee, horsey. Let's pull back the reins. Wee, because we're not starting in early September, okay? We need to take it slow for so many different angles here. Those are some of them, let alone I'm worried about player safety and getting the guys in shape so they can play football and hit each other and fly around. So, I just think there's a lot of unanswered questions right now, and this is where we were in June, unfortunately. Let's make sure everyone understands the posture of the league and the union going into this week where rookies are going to be due to report starting today with the Chiefs and the Texans, the two teams who are due to meet September 10, Thursday night, to kick off the regular season if that happens. 
this isn't a situation like a normal CBA discussion. Now, it feels like a CBA discussion for one season, and that's really what they're doing. It's a mini CBA. Instead of 11 years, it's covering one year, the 2020 pandemic CBA. But if they reach an impasse, there won't be a lockout. The league won't and can't lock the players out, and the players won't strike because one of the things that happens if the players strike, the entire CBA goes away, which is something the owners would very much like to do. Remember that conversation back in March when the players were still able to vote after the pandemic started, and we were saying, you better take this thing because you're not getting this same deal now that the pandemic is here. What would happen if they can't reach an agreement on the safety procedures? The NFL would implement safety rules, and then it would be up to the union to fight it within the confines of the CBA. They file a grievance, there's an arbitration process, and a determination is made by an outside party whether or not the league is providing a safe workplace. But you wouldn't have guys storming out, you wouldn't have what they call a wildcat strike, you would have a legal fight over whether or not what the league is putting in place is good enough. Now, you don't just have a legal fight, Chris, you've got a PR fight. And the PR fight began before the legal fight has started. The PR fight reached a full boil yesterday when in a coordinated approach on social media, one player after another chastising the league for refusing to provide a safe workplace. And it was coordinated by Byron Jones, the Dolphins cornerback who signed there in free agency. And it was one star player after another calling out the league for the failure to get this safe workplace in position. Guys have family issues. Russell Wilson, for example, his wife's pregnant. He doesn't want to bring the virus home to her. Other players who either have medical conditions or their family members have medical conditions. And look, I don't know that a Sunday afternoon is the ideal time to do that. Maybe they would have waited until, you know, a weekday or maybe yeah, they should have done it Thursday or Friday. But, but, you know, they want to get the attention of the league because they need to get these procedures in place that everybody feels good about because all of the dates are popping up on the calendar and guys have to show up to work. So the sooner they get the league's attention, the better. Yeah, well, of course, and it is. It's a, it's a great effort orchestrated by Byron Jones, like you said. I mean, yeah, you know, the players got to get their voice out there. You're right, because in the court of public opinion – we know how this is going to go. It's going to be, you know, you're going to hear the people, oh, you're you're getting paid to play football. Oh, screw you. Screw your life. Go play football. I want to watch it on Sunday. Like, uh, okay, yeah, yeah, but I got a family, and it's more than football. And, uh, you know, that's just not the right approach. So the players are getting out in front of it. They're putting the pressure on the league. They're letting everybody know with these tweets right now that, hey, we're willing to play. We're willing to get in the scrum and sweat and bleed on each other and do all those things that you're not supposed to do as long as you can just, you know, take a little extra coin and do the right things to protect us, you know, on the way in and on the way out of the building on a daily basis. But I just, again, I don't understand how the players can agree on anything until they see something more substantial in a protocol that's going to make them feel that way. I mean, sorry, you know, yeah, basketball can play in a bubble right now. They're going to, they're in the playoffs basically. So it's not going to be a long time. You know, the NFL teams can't leave their families for, for five months until January, or if you're in the playoffs until early February and just say, oh, you know, the hell with my family, the hell with my kids being born. I don't need to see any of it. I'll stay in a bubble. No, that's not realistic. And it's, it's not fair. So, yes, yeah, something more needs to be done there on that, on that aspect. And, and that's where I just go, I think we need to still buy time here because of where we are as a country. You know, I don't think players are going to be in shape worth a damn, Mike, when they get there. I think, player, you know, coaches are going to get them in. They go, all right, whoa, whoa. I mean, this guy hasn't done anything. Yeah, he did some curls for the girls in the weight room and his, his, his pecs look good, but he's not ready to play football. And I, I think there's going to need a, a, a certain time there to let guys get ready and get their feet underneath them for the safety in that aspect as well for the players. And that's a separate issue yes, it is. from whether or not yes. the, the virus will be properly accounted for yes. in the procedures the NFL puts in place. But you're right. There is a concern that if players get rushed, the the injury rate is going to be even higher than it was in 2011 when 25% more injuries happened without right. the benefit of an offseason program. One of the things when we had J.J. Watt on PFTPM during the hiatus, he said back then, he was a rookie at the time, guys could still work out. They could go to the gym. 
They could work out in groups. They could work out together. Yes. This time around, it's harder for some guys. You know, they live in an apartment complex. The gym there is shut down. They can't go to the local gym. They really don't have much they can do to get into the kind of shape they need to be in when they show up. So they want to have a gradual period where everyone gets into the shape they need to be in before they start doing the kinds of things they ordinarily do. Now, one of the reasons why the NFL has been disinclined to give in on the various things the players want is the NFL knows deep down, Chris, something you've been saying for months, that when push comes to shove, the players are going to play. They're not going to balk at whatever these rules are. They just want to play football, and they don't care about the virus. And that's that, you know, that was the big takeaway from the OL Mastermind Summit that happened last weekend, right, the weekend Mike. between this most recent weekend and, and uh, uh, 4th of July, down in Dallas, and the videos were shot, and there weren't a whole lot of masks, and there wasn't any social distancing, and it culminated in a hot wing-eating contest where a bunch of guys were clustered together with no masks on, seeing who could eat the most hot wings. When the league sees that, the league says, we, we got these guys. They don't care about the virus. We don't have to go over and above. We don't have to listen to all these things that NFLPA leadership is urging us to do because when it comes down to it, these guys don't care about the virus. And now the teams care because they want their players to be available. But if you have a disagreement, you know, if the NFL is at this level and the NFLPA wants to be at this level, the NFL doesn't need to move from the lower level because the fear isn't real. Right. It's not as widespread as the NFLPA would have them believe. Look, look at the Tom Brady workout. Yes, exactly. When the union said, stop it, he kept doing it. And you know what? One of the guys who wasn't in on yesterday's coordinated effort to get the league's attention was Tom Brady. I would say that maybe they decided to leave him out because his behavior cuts against yes. this push right. for the safest possible environment. Yeah, right. I mean, he's not exactly the poster child you want for the guy to say, hey, we want things done safely when we know he hasn't been exactly safe himself. And then the owners can point at it and be like, well, what are you talking about? That guy's a hypocrite. So I would, I would think that he was left out of that deliberately uh, or maybe he's just on vacation either way. But I would think there's something there to that. No, he's, he was on, he was on, no, he, he was wasn't he, this weekend. He was here. Uh, okay. He was, he posted. Yeah. He posted something. Uh, yeah. He's around. All right. Yep. We're, so then he, hey, was, what do you mean? If you're on vacation, everybody's got their phone. I know, but sometimes people just go off radar, it? you know, and he's might be in Brazil or Costa Rica or something like that. So I, I, I just didn't know. There. Yeah, I know they do. I know they do. But uh, I, I, and again, you know, Mike, yes, you're exactly right. That online summit just it proved the point that I'd been trying to say all spring, but I think still the big thing is it's not about that. It's not that that's really going to come down to it more than not. I mean, again, I think it's the players are going to be more worried about family issues like that, everything to go along with that. And then, Hey, the NFL, it's all fine and dandy right? Hey, cool. Yeah. A bunch of O linemen. They want to play a bunch of guys that maybe, you know, a lot of us don't know who are sitting on the couch watching on Sunday. I don't know who that special teams guy is, blah, blah, blah. But you know, Hey, when Russell Wilson and maybe some Aaron Donalds and some Patrick Mahomes of the world start telling you they're not playing football until things are different. I bet you the NFL owners and everybody perks up a little bit. And I think it's going to have to continue to be a little bit what we saw yesterday, the onslaught from the big names, from the big players in the league, the stars. Yes, Drew Brees. I know he got involved with it yesterday. Everybody. Oh, it's going to have to be those type of players. They have the voices. They're going to have to make sure they get their message out in the mainstream media and to the public so they can keep the pressure on, on the owners. Hey, again, the owners are rich as hell. Their, their teams are appreciating. The players have a short career. And they're taking all the risk here. All of it. The owners are going to be sitting in a at home or in their box with nobody around them. The players are taking all the risk. So sorry, they get a bigger piece of the pie this year. We didn't think this was going to happen. It's unforeseen. Sorry, NFL owners, you don't have a force majeure clause in your contract. What the hell were you thinking? And the players have the power here, and I think it's going to be on the owners here to buckle at some point and uh, you know, make sure things are right. 
Yeah, and that goes to the financial side of this, the absence of a force majeure clause in the CBA. And, you know, we've said this before. Anytime there's something that is or isn't in the CBA that works to the disadvantage of the NFL Players Association, there are plenty of people in the media who puff out their chests and point a finger at the union and say, shame on you for not for not addressing that. You had every chance to address that in the CBA. Well, when it comes to a force majeure clause, shame on the NFL for not putting one in there right. because there isn't one, and they're trying to make one on the fly. What they're trying to do is, as part of this broader financial issue, go to the union and say, we want $40 million per team in salary and benefits back for this year because, hey, they're not going to have fans or many fans at most, if not every game, they are going to lose that money. And then we want the rest of the financial losses to be accounted in next year's salary cap. Now, there is a duty under the CBA if there is a significant reduction in revenue due to an issue like this to have good faith negotiations about what the cap will be next year, but it has no effect on what the players would do to make this year. And if you're a guy who's in the last year of his career, like a Drew Brees most likely is, do you want to give up any of your $25 million? Right. But when you know that if, if the reckoning comes next year and you're retired, it's not your issue? Or, or just if for any guy in the NFL, you don't know what tomorrow's going to bring. Push it out into the future. That's what the union is trying to get the league to do. The union wants the financial losses to be smoothed out from 2022 through 2030, a nine-year window. Where the and, and you're going to have more TV money and there's going to be an increase in gambling revenue because all these states are going to try to rebuild their budgets by legalizing sports betting. That's the way to tuck those losses into, right. the, into the cracks and people won't even notice that. And it doesn't penalize the players who are taking the risk of playing in a pandemic. That's right. what's astounding to me. You shouldn't take a dollar from these guys. If anything, you should pay them more. For playing this year, Chris. I agree. And, you know, Mike, here, here's the other curveball of this. And I know you wrote about this at some point during the weekend. I can't remember what day it was. You know, you're copy-paste, copy-paste snarky comments so much. And I lose track. Ain't, no, don't, stop. <laughs> no, stop, I'm just joking. You're, you're going you're gonna to be touching on something that is no copy, no paste, something that we obtain that no one else has that gets into the details of the ability of a player to say, I'm out. Is well, that what you're talking well, about? Well, yeah, that. And I think, too, you know, if we're going to be fair and talk about the players and everything that they're, you know, like you said, they're they're taking all the risk. I also look at the players who finagled their contract to be nice to the football team and not maybe take a huge signing bonus or whatever it may be, upfront money in some capacity to where they might have just got a, they, they oh, I'm going to get it in base salary this year and do things like that. You know, that, that screws over that player. That guy who back in March said, okay, I'll be, oh, team, you need me to do this for the contract? Okay, I'll do this, blah, blah, blah. They do it. And now here's another guy who got paid a bunch of money up front who this player kind of like, you know, tweaked his contract so they can make it happen. And now here he's going to get screwed over. You know, and I know these are like first world problems, but still, it doesn't no, mean that no, the it's... NFL players out of their right with some of this. This is a big issue that really hit the radar screen yesterday where uh, someone very plugged in to the mindset of a lot of players, especially star players, said guys are starting to realize that the league wants to reserve the right to wipe out guaranteed money Right. if there is any cancellation of games or if there's no season. And these guys are always led to believe that the fully guaranteed money is the gold standard. That's money in the bank, right? We get that money. Oh, no, you don't. Maybe you should have had a signing bonus or an offseason roster bonus because then you would have had the money in the bank. This money we're going to take away if we don't have a season. At least that's their proposal. Now, someone else said there's no way the, the union is going to let the league do that. But, but th- this is the problem with a union that represents a couple of thousand guys who have very different interests yeah. and objectives because not many players – have fully guaranteed salaries for skill, injury, and cap where they believe they're getting that money no matter what. Now, all of a sudden, the league's saying, well, you know what? If games are canceled, you're not getting your fully guaranteed money. And the players are saying, well, what the hell does fully guaranteed mean if I don't get my fully guaranteed money? That's something that a lot of star players have very recently 
realized. And maybe that had something to do with so many star players getting involved yesterday. But that's another bet. thing that needs to get needs to get worked out because guys feel like, Chris, they're going to have money taken out of their pockets that they thought was already earned, was guaranteed. It's not guaranteed if the NFL has their way. I mentioned the issue of opt-outs. Let's do this because we've been yeah. going 27 minutes. for the right. 27 minutes. Let's take a break, and when we return, let's talk about this opt-out angle. There are some fascinating twists and turns to what a player can do under the NFL's proposal to say, I can't do this this year. I'm not going to play football. We'll talk about that when PFT Live continues right after this. Pro Football Talk Live Monday edition. Feels good to say that again after three weeks off. And uh, it will feel even better to talk about football once we know that the NFL and the NFL Players Association have an agreement that will allow for the players to feel good about showing up at work and feel good about the financial side of things. But there is one reality. We've seen it play out in other sports where players choose as a matter of their own personal health, their concern about family members, or just their level of comfort trying to play football or any other sport in a pandemic, they choose to not play. The NFL, Chris, has proposed a procedure for opting out for all of the 2020 season. Now, the league wants a fairly short time frame for players to make their decisions. August 1 is the deadline for the team to receive written notice that a player is going to opt out. And once the player opts out, it is irrevocable for 2020. You can't change your mind. You can't have an epiphany. You can't make a decision based upon how the pandemic may be turning the right way come Halloween and you'd like to finish the season with your team. Yeah. Once you are team out, that's five and oh and ready. <laughs> yeah, right. Go go ahead. Yeah, Sorry. Or, or just or just <laughs> right. or just the vi- yeah, yeah. Hey, the virus but the, the testing is better. Yeah. They, they've 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 developed a test that turns it around in an hour. And the hotspots that currently are, are raging are no longer hotspots and guys feel better about it and and uh, too late. And here's the thing if you opt out, you can't play for anybody. You can be traded, you can be cut but you can't play for anyone in 2020 if uh, now this is the NFL's proposal the the why Mike may ask why for different rules let me ask you that because like why 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 do that like what what if a guy like DeMarcus Lawrence right he's one of the better players in our sport we know that he's thinking about this right now like why why if he wanted to come back in the middle of October and things were better do they just feel like too many guys might do that is that what they're doing there i don't even i just don't I th- what's the logic there I, I think they're trying to keep as few guys as possible from opting out. You create a short time frame. You make it completely irrevocable where you don't get, you know, two strikes or three strikes or a chance to, you know, what if, what if a guy's just not comfortable? What if a guy gets to the middle of August and says, you know, I've been here for a few weeks now. We've been doing this and boy, I really don't. I, I, I want to see how I feel after I play a game. Yeah. Right. Maybe I'm not going to feel all that comfortable about this after playing a game. No. They want guys to have to make an early decision. And the earlier the decision, the less likely guys will opt out, especially if it is irrevocable. Now, there is one interesting twist here because you've got some guys that would like to get paid, like a Dalvin Cook of the Minnesota Vikings who quit their offseason workout program and indicated maybe a willingness to hold out. You, You can use the implicit threat, or not even necessarily implicit. You can... You can... You can say to the team, hey, you know, I, I already don't feel good about what I'm getting paid. You throw this pandemic on top of it. I'm underpaid as it is. I don't want to take on the additional risks. I'm thinking about exercising my option to opt out. And uh, you can change my mind. That's There's right. a way that you can change my mind. Right. Now, that's a hell of a gamble. Yes. You talk about an all-in move. Because if the team says, sorry, we're not doing anything, we're calling your bluff, then to save face, you have to just give up the whole season. That, that would be problematic for the player who makes that threat and the team doesn't blink. Then the player just sits out the whole year. But from the team's perspective, do you want to play with fire like that? If you're the Vikings, do you want to run the risk of Dalvin Cook opting out? Even if he regrets it, once he's done it, it's done. There isn't a yeah. damn thing he or anyone else can do about it. No, no, you're right. That's, I mean, that's where I would, you know, my advice to a player like that would be, you know, make sure that you're really ready to sit out and not do it. You know, make, make sure that, 
okay, you don't really want to play this year because you don't feel comfortable about your contract situation and COVID-19 and where that's going, you know, be, be comfortable with that. And then, okay, if you're comfortable with that decision and now you get a contract offer or something that goes, okay, well, that I, I can't deny that right there. I'm going for it. Then that's, that's one thing. But here's another thing for you, Mike. You know, I guess two things that just have kind of popped up to me that I'm curious about. First off, like I understand the August 1st like thought process of the deadline. You know, they want to know what the teams are going to look like, right? Teams also want to know like, oh, if he's if our second receiver, if you're the Houston Texans and all of a sudden, you know, some player there, let's say Brandon Cooks isn't comfortable, that all, all they got to figure out a way to fill that void. So they don't want to be caught, you know, I think, you know, just totally by surprise here, you know, in the middle of August or something like that. But I don't know how the NFL can give a hard deadline of August 1st right now when nothing's agreed on, right? I mean, that can't be real. You can't be well, – But that would be – that's part of the agreement. It that's will the be, proposal. It will be part of it, yeah, right. They're, okay. They're proposing an opt-out, right, up until August 1st. So they reach an agreement. One of the facets of the agreement is that players have opt-out rights until August 1. But again, it's not enough time. It's not enough of an opportunity not. for a player to get to the point where he feels comfortable or not comfortable with what's going on. Because here's the thing. He doesn't know if anything yet. How do you know the procedures that are going to be done to feel comfortable or not comfortable? That's where I would just be like, I don't know how this is going to go. So how do you expect me to know by August 1st if I don't know what the hell you're going to do to keep us safe on a daily basis? And, and here's the problem. And, and let me just give you a basic example as it relates to a signing bonus. You get a, a $10 million signing bonus on a five-year contract. So it's $2 million per year that you earn back in signing bonus money. You're in the second year of the contract. Uh, you get to the middle of August and you just say, I can't do this. I can't do it. I didn't realize before August 1 that I was going to feel this way, but I just can't do it. I, I can't play this year. If you quit then, if you opt out then. Right. You got to pay back $2 million in signing bonus money. If you opt out before August 1, you don't have to pay back the signing bonus money as long as you fully comply with all terms of your contract next year. There's a lot of there's a lot of fine print as to what you have to do next year if you opt out this year, but the bottom line is if you do everything you're supposed to do, you don't have to pay back bonus money if you opt out. But if you get to a point where you just can't do it anymore and you walk off the job, they have every right to come get that $2 million back from you. So that, that, it makes it a very high-stakes decision. It does. You're giving up your salary. There's, a, there's an opportunity to have a stipend, but when you look at the fine print there, like if you've already gotten a signing bonus or if you've already gotten a roster bonus, you've already gotten payments this year, that counts against the stipend. And I think it's one hundred dollars or $250,000. It's gone quickly. It's $150,000. Right. And uh, – um, you, 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 you get that 150,000 eaten away at very quickly if you've gotten other payments already. So it's not a whole lot of money. And also it counts against your salary next year too. So it's not free money either. It's just a little something to tide you over for the 2020 season until next year when you have to earn that money back. But, uh, look, th this is not an ideal solution for giving players a meaningful opportunity to opt out, Chris. And I hope they do tweak it a little bit. And I hope they do expand it a little bit. And I hope they give guys a chance to show up and practice and feel feel safe or not safe. How do you know by August that, 1? That's what I Training mean. camp opens yeah. July 28th. Right. How do you know if you truly feel safe in just a couple of days? They need to delay that. And maybe they need to give a guy one strike, one opportunity. I can leave one time and change my mind and come back. I the think second so. time I go, I think that's fair. Then, then it's irrevocable. I, I don't like, like that. the idea that it's that it's speak now or forever hold your yeah, peace. Yeah, I, I agreed. Like that. I, that's what I was going to say too. I don't like that. You know, I mean, what do you, I mean, you're going to tell human beings uh, about their life like maybe three weeks into August where they don't feel comfortable, and maybe there's been a few guys on the team that have gotten COVID nineteen, and they just don't like the outlook of things. You know, I, I don't I think it is a little too, you know, I don't want to for lack of a better phrase, inhumane or just not nice or whatever you want to say. You know, it, this is these are unforeseen times and, and circumstances that we're going through right now. So, you know, one, first off, the August 1st thing needs to be backed up because right. no player can make a logical decision without knowing logically what the hell the protocols are yet. So that that has to be bumped back a little bit. And I'm with you. I think there should be a little leeway maybe into like, hey, you can come to training camp, and within the first two weeks, we'll let you make a decision on whether you think you want to ride this out or not. 
Uh, but, you know, I don't necessarily like that. Like, oh, now you're going to have to pay back $2 million, let alone you're not going to make the $2 million you're making this year. You know, that, that's a very hard-line stance for a bunch of guys who are sitting pretty with lots of cash in their pockets. I have a feeling this is an issue that's going to come up again and again until they get it all hammered out. And when they do get it hammered out, we'll probably have some thoughts on what the final opt-out rules are because I have a feeling that at the end of the day, there will be some issues, there will be some twists, there will be some problems with the final protocols, whatever they may be. All right, let's take a break. Next, you're going to hear Anthony Lynn, the Chargers head coach, talk about how football broke down racial barriers for him. And then some breaking news on the potential length of the preseason. We wrote something about this last week. It looks like it's coming to fruition. We'll talk about that later. PFT Live Monday edition continues right after this. If we sit here one year from now, what do you want society to be looking like? I mean, to be honest, I love for it to look like a football team. You know, I, I've, we've had these conversations with coaches and players and, and, and even guys from other teams about how do we accomplish this? I mean, we, you get a group of guys sometimes that grow up and they're taught to hate each other, but they come together under certain circumstances and they grind every day and they get to know one another and they trust one another. They become like brothers. And I can't think of a better example. The guys coming from different backgrounds, economic-wise, different races, and, and different beliefs and religions. But when it's all said and done, so many times, I've seen racism change on a football team. You know, my best friend that I've been with since third grade, you know, uh, is white country boy, Rocky Jones, Palo Point, Texas, you know? He just, I, the example that I guess him and I was setting for the rest of our teammates, I didn't, we, we didn't realize it at the time, but we, we couldn't have been two opposite guys, but it was sports and it was teamwork that brought us together. And uh, those intangibles, those dynamics, it's something really special about that. And, uh, and I often wish that America could be like a, like a sports team. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. The NFL has been insisting on two preseason games, one home, one away for every team so they can go through the motions of the game day pandemic protocols. The players have been saying, Chris, no preseason games. They want to have the full opportunity of training camp to get in game shape. They don't want guys to be prematurely in a game setting. And they see no upside from playing these preseason games. It's opportunities for an outbreak. The revenue's not there. Why are we doing it? That's been the union's position. I was told last week that very likely the end result will be one preseason game featuring teams that are in some geographic proximity, Giants, Jets in the same stadium, Chargers, Rams, for example. When you start looking around the league, though, you're still going to have a yeah. team that's going to have to get on an airplane and go somewhere. But the idea is to minimize the travel and to have that one game. According to NFL media, that's officially been proposed to the union one game in the preseason. The NFL has moved off of two. The NFL moved from four to two beyond any negotiations. And now as these negotiations continue, the NFL has moved from two to one. The union still wants none, Chris. So I don't know where this ends up. And I don't know how I feel about even one preseason game. I understand the importance of 
of making sure that that everything is going to work right in a setting where the game doesn't count and and having everyone feel what it's going to be like on game day with these new procedures. But, you know, I understand where the players are coming from, too. You want to make sure that you are keeping your players uh, ready, getting them ready, keeping them healthy, and keeping them out of an unnecessary opportunity to potentially be exposed to the virus. Yeah, I, I mean... Look, I get it. I get the I get the NFL wanting to have the preseason game just to go through the procedure a little bit and do that. But to me, you know, the risk isn't worth the risk. It ain't worth the biscuit here to me. I, I just, you know, again, I know that's probably how they want to do. See how they can map it out, make it better, whatever it may be. OK, cool. Listen, it's not going to be that much different than when the teams check into their facilities on a daily basis for training camp or whatever it may be, except you're going to have to have two of those, uh, you know, medical teams in a stadium. So, but, but to me, the big thing is why risk it? Why? Don't do it. It's just not worth it at this point to me as a player and even as a fan. I'm not even trying to say it. I'd love to sit there and watch preseason football, but I don't want preseason football if it's going to sacrifice me seeing regular season football. And in just this this year with what we got, you know, again, this is where I'm I'm if if I'm like ahead of the NFL PA right now or one of the player reps, I'm pushing back for the season the season to be pushed back a little bit. I really am. Because I think you're going to need more time to get players ready to play football this year than ever before. And that preseason game's not going to make everybody ready. It's not going to be like the magic pill and like everyone's going to get done and go, oh, we're ready to go. No, it's the, so it's really going to make not a big difference that way. So uh, to me, the more important thing would be let's get back into the training facilities. Let's take two weeks of just training, lifting weights, conditioning, running every day. Then another two or three weeks of OTAs, basically. Helmets, practice, running around, no contact. Then you get into the contact aspect. And now you go, okay, we're going to put shoulder pads and start doing some full pad periods and things like that, which need to get hashed out too. Because that's an area where the veteran players right now don't want to do 11 on 11. And that's not going to help. At some point, we're going to have to play 11 on 11. I would just rather see the teams do it themselves. Have scrimmages, have full contact scrimmages, but let's limit the amount of people here as long as we can to save the bigger picture, which is the season uh, for the NFL in 2020. I'm telling you what, though. I can't envision a situation where the NFL voluntarily bumps back the start of the season. I know. I think that, I think that when you consider what's happening with the pandemic – the NFL is even more determined to get to week one and see what happens. Because if you start delaying, things may get worse. We get into cold and flu season. I think they want to get these games in. They want to get their procedures honed. And they want to see if they can indeed minimize outbreaks on a given team. And there's a lot of factors. There's a ton of moving parts. And, and I, I don't even think the NFL at this point is trying to convince anyone that the approach is anything other than Let's see what happens. But there is a strong let's see what happens element to what's happening now in the NFL. And I think one thing the NFL wants to have happen is they want to start September 10 with that first game, Chiefs-Texans. Full slate of games Ah. three days later on September 13. And then the way the schedule was constructed, the way it was built, week two can be easily absorbed later into the season because every game from week two features two teams who have their bye the same week. They can wipe out week two and regroup. Week three, week four, no divisional games. Those can be canceled or they can be tacked on to the end of the schedule if they decide to move things back. But I think they're determined to get through week one and then reassess, see how it's working. And if it works, keep going. If they need some time, they have the benefit of time. We do not have the benefit of time. We need to take a break. Next, you're going to hear how... Bill Belichick once started a snowball fight. Yes, Bill Belichick starting a snowball fight. And then we're going to reveal the PFT preseason power rankings because, hey, that's what we do in the preseason. We make up worthless lists that we can talk about and argue about. We'll do that coming up here on PFT Live. I'm walking out, you know, after the game, walking to my truck, and all of a sudden, like, a snowball comes in. And I'm like, who the heck's throwing snowballs? And it was Bill throwing snowballs at guys. It was kind of funny because it's like Bill Belichick throwing snowballs at people. I'm sure he was super pumped because we had won by a lot. And, you know, that was snowing. It was just kind of like a fun moment. 
to where you're like, oh, it's not, he's not so bad. You know, he's not so bad. That is awesome. So how do you respond to that situation? I mean, do you just well, get right after it? Back. Yeah, I threw a snowball back, but I wasn't like, it was one of those like, don't make sure you don't hit him, like way overthrow. You know, like don't try and hit him with a snowball, but you know, act, you gotta act like you're gonna throw a snowball. We're going to be doing team-by-team team previews for the 2020 season under the assumption and hope that there will be one. We need a framework for it. So I put together a list of preseason power rankings over the weekend that I'm sure will cause no consternation or disagreement of any kind. Yeah. The Chiefs are the kings of the hill. The Chiefs have to be number one. They're returning like everyone, right. and they are the defending Super Bowl champions. Chris, anything jump out to you? Anything you want to body slam me about before we begin? Well, uh, that's a know, loaded question. Down? I want to body slam you about a lot of things in life, but we don't have enough time in this segment. But either way, I give you a lot of credit, Florio, and I hope people get after you on social media because they like to when I make my list. But you went for it. I mean, making the Patriots four, you got guts, kid. I'll tell you that much. The Buccaneers six. You know, you, you went for it for the teams that you got that Florio gut feel that you think it's their year. I mean, the Texans, they were in the final eight. You got them at 17 below some teams like the Cowboys and, you know, the Broncos. You got the Broncos in front of the Texans. But I hear you. I feel you a little bit. I feel like they this might be their kind of year. So I'm not going to push back on you. Usually you're a dummy, but uh, I, I kind of like what you did here. And let me tell you why I got the Patriots at number four. I think all of this chaos, all of this uncertainty, all yeah. of this pandemic, right. it plays directly into the hands of Bill Belichick. Uh. You've got a lot of coaches who have spent time over the past few weeks losing their minds over not knowing what the rules are. They need to know what the rules are. They need to have a plan. Well, Bill Belichick, you tell him what the rules are. No. Oh. This afternoon, and he'll have a plan by dinner time. That's right. He's and he's on to COVID nineteen. He's on to COVID nineteen. He's on to COVID nineteen. Oh, and and then he's got Cam Newton. Something that we'll be talking about a time or two over the next few weeks. So check out the power rankings at ProFootballTalk.com, and uh, let's take a quick break. We got another hour still to come. We're going to start with the latest on the Washington franchise. It was a tumultuous week for Daniel Snyder. We'll get you up to speed on all that when PFC Live continues right after this. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. 